0: We stress about money. We stress about what is America doing? What are these other countries doing? We stress. What is my kid doing? How come this one is so old and they still don't know what they're doing? How can I fix it? Wrong. I love Jesus and he loves me, but there's no way that I am perfect. There's things that I know. I know. I know. And then stress kicks in and life. On this earth, and we kind of just have these panic moments. So my life has been a little difficult lately. I'm caregiver, and um, I serve as if I'm serving Jesus because if I'm serving a human being, I don't want to do it. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm not gonna lie. I don't want to, but I serve Him. In the meanwhile, this. He could do, he can give me a brand new right. newborn one. Right. I do my part. Oh try yeah. to try to give him back the stress, because it keeps coming, so I just keep giving it to him. <laughs> try to eat right or not eat. Drink my water, have my bone, mm-hmm. I'm doing what I have to do. And I was good for like seven days. I was happy, I was sleeping, my belly was feeling good. people that I lo- love, and it was just a lot. It was intense. After me doing the human thing, I just stopped and I started praying in tongues in my head, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, okay, uh, you see how your kids are acting? Do you see how your kids are acting? Because I humanly can't. So please do something. But in the meanwhile, I'm getting sicker. I haven't slept since Friday. My stomach was hurting. <laughs> I mean, it was, my earthly mind can say go to ER. First thing they do is they want, they want to go that long. No, you can't have it. And it, they starve you. I can starve myself. Praying, 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 still going through my day, having pain and all kind of stuff. And I walked in and I told Pastor, I'm like, wow, this is like on fire. Like, if I fall down, have Tammy just push me to the side give me some water. But then I started worshiping. See, and I've been around long enough to remember, I've always believed in God. But you do stupid things. You go to a football game and you're yelling all kind of garbage. You might as well just curse the other team. You're doing that publicly. You know, your kids, you know, you, you get to the point where you may not verbally curse them, but you're like, you, me. That's not anger. That does not come from God, and it affects us physically. So if I did all of that stuff and still believed in God, how much better could it be if I actually did what he asked me to do? Not perfectly. I could be dense and dumb over and over, but I come back. What does the word say? Let's play a video. Let's play a a. a, a A podcast. Let's pick up a book. What does the word say? Call somebody that you know is living the way you would like to live, according to God. And just say, look, I'm having a crazy moment and you need to do something because I can't do it right now. Help me. Help me. After all this pain, all this agony, all this stuff, I'm sitting here worshiping. And since I did all the stupid stuff when I was young, I don't care if y'all see me moving and shaking. That's for Jesus. He likes it. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if my hair's not combed. It's me and him. He's the only pure thing in my life. He loves me regardless in spite of. So when I worship, I worship. And guess what, people? I'm singing. I'm worshiping. I'm happy. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here gone, thank you Jesus, it's gone like just bang (laughs) bang the devil's a liar, he may trick you into thinking that you got stuck again, just be warned. so you start from square one the point is do not be afraid do not be ashamed do not be embarrassed, if you got to worship, worship he knows anyway just worship for prayer. Get on your knees. You know how many times I'm at work, right there, bang, I hit the knees. Lord, Lord, fix your kids and fix me first. Just, there's no shame. Every Sunday, Pastor Phil's available. Charlie, Bill, Tim, all the rest of them, all us ladies, the kids, you know how many times I got? If you're in trouble, why keep it to you? That's where the devil is working. Because somebody else is not going to be in the same frame of mind that you are and can help you unpanic so you can do what he said you should do. Or supposed to do. So every week he calls, if anybody needs prayer, does anybody want to go that extra mile and claim their salvation, which is a gift that was paid for? People it was already paid for because mm-hmm. if somebody told you down a black young days when you was spewing all them cuss words and screaming at everybody well you might as well say beautiful things to jesus because he done paid it all amen hallelujah anybody want to praise we're all available thank you praise jesus <laughs> i feel good pastor
1: i can tell all right so time to preach a second message now
0: yes, sir.
1: just giving ours a hard time Well, yeah, God's a God who desires to meet the needs of his people. Uh, My goal is to, as I've said before, get you more and more dependent on God and less and less dependent on anything else. Now, yeah, we'll pray, but don't look to the person who is praying for you. Look to the one who is actually providing. Now, God allows us to be as co-laborers. It's a, it's a privilege to do that. It's an honor to do that. And he does tell us to pray and, and pray for people. And uh, there's reasons for that. Um, I do know that there are people who think, well, if God can do all things, why, why should I pray? Why should I do this and why should I do that? Well, he said to. There are other reasons. Uh, I'm not going to get into that today. That's not my message. And actually, I'm still not sure if I'm going to get to the message, but turn to Philippians chapter 4 just real quick. That's not part of our message today, if you have your if you have your Bible with you. And by the way, you know, we were praying, earlier we were praying, and I was praying for specific people, but God didn't give me any names. Um, so if that was you, please... Uh, Come up and let us know at the end of service. We'd love to pray with you, okay? It was... Uh, Philippians 4, what? haven't got to the, the verse yet. Philippians 4. Look down to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. That right there is something that people... Don't blow past that that command. And it is a command. Don't be anxious for don't worry. Okay, those things are cousins of fear. All right. Be anxious for nothing. Oh Lord, but if I'm not anxious, then how will I how will I ever how can if I let that go, how can I? You can't anyway. Whatever it is. Okay? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why would you need peace if it would not take a little while for what you prayed for to come to pass? If you're at peace, you won't be anxious. How can you be? If you're at peace, you won't be depressed how can you be? you're at peace. If you're at peace you won't be uh, you won't be worried and agonizing you won't be in fear you won't be in dread but that that peace comes with a promise the, uh, it, the peace is the promise side of that. If you will be anxious for nothing and instead pray, Bring supplication to God with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to him. If you will do that, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. I remember when this verse first started, like I started seeing it actually happen, where it was like, why do I have this peace? Everything is falling apart around me. Yet, I'm okay. Peace is God's permission to you to enjoy life while you're having a problem. Now, I'm not smart enough to come up with that. Me and Tammy heard Joyce Meyer say that just the other night. We went and saw Joyce Meyer. She said that to us. She said, and, and you can prove it out in the Word. Peace is God's permission for you to enjoy your life even while you're having a problem. In other words, the problem does not need to overshadow you. It does, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to be <clears throat> subject to the problem. You don't have to yield to the problem. You don't have to worry because of the problem or be anxious because of the problem. But you asked your father for help. And while you're waiting for that to come to pass, now, it, 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 he immediately gave you that in the spirit. You understand that. It's a spiritual fact. But it takes time and it takes your faith to bring that over into the natural. So let the peace of God guard your heart and mind. Cooperate with it when he gives it to you. Have you ever felt like, like, well, I've, I've got a little bit of peace here, uh, but I, I, I'm not worthy or I shouldn't or I, I, I shouldn't take hold of that and so I'm gonna revert back to this worry because that's what I've been trained to do all my life is to worry and agonize over this problem. It takes time to learn how to think the way God wants us to think. we we've been think you get saved when you were how old and up until that point, all those years before you got saved, you were used to thinking like the kingdom of darkness thinks so you have to learn to think how God tells you to think, and it takes time, and God is patient, and he knows, okay? Um, Hun, did you want to talk about that? Did you, did you, you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> Why don't you, can you bring one up for me? Tammy doesn't like to talk with a microphone, so, it's my wife, by the way, in case you don't know. My lovely wife, thank you, honey. <laughs> She's got a pulpit, but it's not right here. Actually, you all have a pulpit in your life. What's your sphere of influence now? <laughs> where's your pulpit? People are like, What's a pulpit? This. So a while back, this was a long time ago, this was uh, about a year, a year ago, Tammy felt led to purchase these books. We were up at Rama for a camp meeting, and this book is called Listen to Your Heart, Hearing God in a Noisy World, um, and this is by Kenneth W. Hagen, who is uh, in charge, he's, he's over Rama Bible Training College, where we come from. But uh, she's had this, and so we've got some copies of this book up here. Actually, these are all the copies that she bought, and she said, she told me, she said, it's time to hand these out. Um, Please, please take this and read it, because we are here because we want to see everyone grow. Okay, so uh, this says, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in every area of your life. He will show you God's plan for your success. When you learn how to hear his voice and do what he says, you will receive God's blessings. Whatever your age or stage in life, learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit is one of the most important things you can do. And that's absolutely true. How will you know what to pray for and how to pray? You know. And that's why, you know, I I took that time to pray, and I was like... I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, I mean, I've still got this sermon in front of me, but I don't know if I'll have time to preach it. But that's okay if I don't. I'm willing to lay that down. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we want so much for you guys to <sighs> come into agreement with one another about things. But also, uh, it's, it's so important that you, you know, basically what Iris was saying earlier, I already had that on my heart, get after what God has for you. Get after it, and if you need to get into uh, the word more, so be it. If if and and you 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 can get this down in your heart by more than one avenue. If you have an audio Bible, listen to that to and from work. Read it at home. Read it in different translations. Um, you know, live in the New Testament without leaving the Old unread, because the New Testament's written to the church. Okay, it's written to you, and then. Uh, listen to good teachings, uh, always pray. The word said pray always without ceasing. And so what does that mean? Well, I talk to God throughout the day. Wow, Lord, looks like rain. Or, you know, wow, what a pretty day you made today, Father. Just talk to him. And let him lead you, let him let him guide you. And I had, I had uh, thought, you know, because we had so much going on in the body and uh, in the church, you know, I was like, well, I might just, I might just call a prayer meeting. See, because yes, God does things for people without being asked, but there's also things that He will do just because you asked, and you get to co-labor with Him in prayer. And, uh, you know, I just, I spent uh, quite a bit of time just in intercession up here. And really, in my heart, I felt like that took care of a lot of it. Because it wasn't just me. There were people in and out, people praying and singing and seeking God and praying. You know, I was praying for for all of you, praying, uh, you know, uh, you know s- singing blessings down over you, if you will. Because you can do that. Because singing can be a prayer. And, uh, you know, but I, I want to encourage you to... Because I think I've got enough time here, and I, and I don't want to step on anybody's time. I want to be respectful of your time, but, I, I, but this is an important word. So I'll, I'm going to go ahead and, and try to get through it if you're okay with that. If you have to leave, you can. But I'm just going to say, take some time to pray for the congregation, because it's like a, a lot of that work, because you could, you know, you could pr- have you ever prayed for a long time, and you, when you got done, you felt really tired? It's because it's work. It's spiritual work. Just like going out and working for eight hours is going to make your body tired, so then it'll make your spirit tired. But I'm, 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 it's like it's like I can I can feel in my heart it's like there was this much work that needed to be done in prayer, travailing in prayer, for the for this body, and I probably got about that much, and to the point where there's there's peace and joy in here right now, right, freedom, and I wasn't in here when we got here, and that's not to say, oh, it's because it's because I was the one. No, anybody could do that. Anybody could come in here and pray, and and that would happen, okay? But I'm just letting you know, take some time to pray for the congregation. Take some time to do that. Because it doesn't have to just come through me, and I can't bear the burden just by myself, okay? So, all right, praise God. Let's turn to to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Lord, help us with the message today. Help me preach this out the way you want it done. Okay, so if you didn't return to Ecclesiastes before, it's kind of a, it's a book that most people don't uh, don't see. So uh, <clears throat> if you hit Psalms and you're coming from the New Testament, you've gone too far. It goes Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 7. Interesting book. Look down at verse 8, and then we'll read the whole book to you. No, I'm kidding. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. And I'm just going to stop right there, which is that first line. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. I also like, like the way that the New Century Version puts it. It's better to finish something than to start it. And this verse just hits me upside the head because I'm the type of person that has a lot of unfinished projects lying around. Not so much anymore. we have gotten better about that. It's like, but why why do I do that? Well, it's exciting to start a new project. And the prospect of starting a, a project is just so exciting that it's like, well, I'll just leave this one undone and just start this one. You know? And so... I'm learning to refuse to take on new projects that aren't necessary. Letting go of unfinished projects that were not necessary in the first place. And then finishing up old projects that are necessary. Sometimes you'll find that in learning this, trying to put it into practice, that other people will have a hard time letting go of their projects. And, and they can't finish it themselves in order to try to make themselves feel better about it. They will give it to you. I've got this project that I want you to, you are the one to finish this project. And it just makes them feel better that it's not going to get left undone. So they hand it off. Has that ever happened to you? Okay. And so when you first hear about this unfinished project, take a moment to see if the Holy Spirit tells you anything about it. Could be led by the Spirit. And by the way, if any of you want to come up and take these books now, at any point during the message, please come up and do so. Because I don't I don't want to see a stack of them when I'm done here. I want I want them I'll start. Yeah, thank you, Iris. May I have one for my son? Yes, you may. Thank you. Yeah, if you know someone too, go ahead and take those. Now. <clears throat> So ask yourself, okay, Holy Spirit, or ask the Holy Spirit, do you have anything to say about this? Or really, if you've already been praying to him, you don't necessarily, you can just listen and see if he says anything when someone brings a project. And then ask yourself, if he doesn't say anything, next ask yourself, is this, per, is this other person's project? Yeah, there's a few left. So if the Holy Spirit doesn't say anything when you're offered this new project... Ask yourself, is this other person's new project necessary to finish? Amen? And it's okay to say no. It's okay. You can do that. No. I can't take that on. I'm sorry. Yes, do you have something? Okay, Tammy doesn't want to say something. Hey.
0: I just wanted to say it's rewritten specifically with youth in mind, so it's fine, like, for kids, too.
1: Okay. How profound. Okay. (laughs) So. All right. She's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, great. Yes. All right. So now. Um. If I'm honest with myself, I just don't have enough time in this life to finish every project that I would like to start. If I'm being honest with myself. Lots of things I'd like to do that I know I don't, I I just don't have time to do that. And some people call this principle time management, right? Jesus never used that term, but he did a masterful job of living it out. Turn with me to the beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1. Jesus moves very quickly in the book of Mark. You really got to keep your eye on him when you read Mark. It's like, okay, what's he going to do now? Because he's really moving. So I want you to consider this. Before we start reading this, here in Mark 1, when we think about all the miracles that Jesus did, multiplying loaves of fish, walking on water, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, all the teaching that he did, on top of all that, and all the traveling that he did, because he walked everywhere. you realize he did all of that in about three years? Now, Jesus is eternal. The, the, the book of Revelation says he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. His going f- forth have been from old. In other words, when he was born, that wasn't the moment that he came into existence. He was in existence before that. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's eternal. But his time on the earth was very short compared to a lot of people's. He was crucified when he was about 33. Rose from the dead, ascended, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Based on the timeline, okay, then his earthly ministry lasted about three years. You think about that. It's like, okay, you've got 30 years to grow, 30 years of training time, and now you've got three years of working time, and that's it, on the earth anyway. But you realize that in those three years, he accomplished more than most of us do in our lifetime. Now don't let that don't let that get you thinking. Okay, well, what, well, then what can I do? What, what have you know? What have I done? What you know? What? But because now, see, now Jesus has a heavenly ministry. He had an earthly ministry for those three years. Now he has a heavenly ministry, and part of that ministry is praying for you here and now. Because it said he makes intercession for us, just like we were making intercession for our brothers and sisters earlier. He he does that for you. Now he does that for you. And so he wants you to succeed. And, and he, it, he would be unjust if he gave you a bunch of stuff to do, but not enough years to complete it. See, because our lives can be cut short by circumstances, but that's not God's will. And so he won't hold that against anyone if their, if their physical life is cut short in some way. But here's just a side nugget. So those believers that die before they complete their earthly ministry, you can be guaranteed that they have they now have a heavenly ministry. Jesus has a heavenly ministry. Now those who have gone before us have a, have a heavenly ministry with him as well. He's got stuff for you to do in heaven too. Amen. I mean because if we're told that Jesus has a heavenly ministry, why why wouldn't we have one when we get there? You have a question? That's my son, by the way. <laughs> he said, we're still going to have to work after we get to heaven. He's right. But he also said, you won't, you won't get tired. This physical body gets tired. But the body that you're going to receive when Jesus returns will not, not get tired. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait either. Okay, now I'll get off that side nugget now. Okay. Even though Jesus only had three years to do his earthly ministry... Did you notice that he was never in a hurry? Did he ever seem stressed? I mean, there was a couple times. He's like, how long do I have to put up with it? But, how long do I have to bear with these people? But he wasn't stressed out, and he wasn't in a hurry to get from one place to, to another. In fact, when they, they came and told him, you're, 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 Lazarus is sick, he stayed where he was two days before he went over there. And then he said, he, he's, they, they said, okay, well, uh, he, he said he's, he's sleeping. He said he's fallen asleep. He meant he's, he's physically died. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. And Jesus said, okay, he's dead. You know, he just, he's dead. He said, and it's good for your sakes that I wasn't there because now you will really believe. What, he's implying that if he had been there, he would have healed Lazarus. But instead, he waited where he was two days, and Lazarus died, and then he went and rose Lazarus from the dead, Amen. knowing that Lazarus would eventually grow old and die a physical death again. God's purposes are beyond ours. We just look. It's like, oh, wow, this miracle, praise God. What was the ultimate purpose of the miracle? He wanted the disciples to believe. Amen. Don't know how I got off on all that, but here we are. So we're in uh, chapter 1. Look down at verse 16. So Jesus is walking by the sea. Love this chapter. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So... If we're not careful, we get this idea of Jesus is like just taking this leisurely walk by the sea. It is peaceful. Sounds peaceful to me. But he has a purpose. He tells Simon and Andrew to follow him. And he gives a, he gives a specific purpose. You're fishermen. Now I'll show you how to fish for people. So we find that he's walking along the sea with a purpose with a purpose. He's got a purpose. And then he calls Simon and Andrew to a purpose. You're fishermen. I'm going to give you a new purpose. Follow me, and I will give you a new purpose. Verse 19. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and God his, uh, God John his brother, excuse me, who were also in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. He's now multiplying this, right? He had two, now he's got four. You. I'm calling you to a purpose. Have you ever noticed that God will call you to a purpose when you're in the middle of your own purpose? They're in, the net, they're, they're in the boat mending nets with their father. They are carrying on their family legacy. Their father was a fisherman, now they're a fisherman. And they're going about the business of being fishermen. Our, this is our purpose. But they're in the middle of that purpose, in the middle of a task. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a new purpose. Follow me. And he makes no apologies for calling you when he does. Come. Come. But now you have a choice. Ignore the call and continue with your own plans or answer and take up God's purpose and leave behind your purpose. Leave it in the boat. For James and John, see, there's no inward struggle. just says they immediately left their father in the boat. You know, if you watch The Chosen, there's a moment where they look to their father and he's like, no, go, go. And I don't even think they did that. I think it was, uh, okay, I'm with you. Jesus is definitely worth leaving everything behind. You may not understand fully, but it's like, there's just something about him. I've got to follow him. Why? His purpose is greater. It's a greater purpose. Remember that other occasion when this guy told Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to those in my house? Jesus told him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus Jesus is like, where's your commitment? Where's your commitment? Are you going to be committed to my purpose? See, that wasn't a purpose. I'm going to go back and do this. That's a purpose. I'm going to go back and do this. Jesus is like, follow my purpose. And He didn't make no apologies. And he's not rude, but he's just like, follow me. There was people he said, follow me, and they didn't, and he just, Okay he just moved on. And that also speaks to that opening verse that it's better to finish a thing than to start it. Because Jesus is like no one having put his hand to the plow and then looking back. So that implies I've started in God's purpose but I'm going to look back to my purpose. Like I told you before this doesn't mean that he's going to tell you to pack your bags and head off to some distant, you know, I'm going to send you to the mountains of Ecuador. Maybe he will. By the time he does that, you'll probably be okay with it. But for now, where you are right now, so you've already got people right in front of you to minister to. He'll most likely have you share the work that he's already doing in them Because he's already trying to get a hold of them. Right? I saw a show one time about this crew of pirate type people. You know, and there was a preacher who came on board their ship, and and the captain asked the preacher where they should drop him off. Well, you know, where where are we going to take you so you can do your thing? And the minister minister smiled and said, oh, I've got heathens aplenty right here. Meaning, he's I'm going to stay here. Because... I see that I've got some work to do here. Amen. The gifts and talents that God has put in you are an exact match for the assignments and the purpose that he has for you to do here. It's an exact match. It's not like, you know, he's interviewing you for a job and he's like, well, you seem like you're going to be a good fit here. No, your talents and abilities he has placed in you is a perfect fit for the assignment. That he has for you to do. The word said in the New Testament. That he has set you apart unto good works. He set you apart for that. Unto good works. You have a destiny. If you will. You can choose to follow it out. With Jesus. Because he's like. lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. And he's the one that said follow me. So he's the the foreman if you will. You're going to co-labor with him in his work. That he is set aside for you to do, and therefore then he decides what work is what what work is to be done, where you're to, to work and what work is to be done. Amen. Huh. Well, I already said all that before I even stepped to the podium. So read verse 16 again. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Peter, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James and John, sorry, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after them. So he's called these four guys to a purpose now. Verse 21. So he's got these four guys with him. Then they went into Capernaum. So he's going in there with these four guys. They're following him. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Why did he go into the synagogue? What did he do when he got there? He went into the synagogue to teach. There was a purpose It wasn't like, well, we'll just go into the synagogue. No, he had a purpose. I'm going to go teach. Right? Verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. There's a difference between teaching that's just teaching and teaching that that carries authority. There's a difference between these two. Now, there was a, a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, "Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the holy one of God." Now, Jesus is about to tell them to be quiet, but I won't get there just yet. So he just starts shouting. Did you know demons go to church? Yeah. They do. Of course they do. The enemy's got a plan too. The enemy's got a purpose too. Jesus spelled it out for us. He's like, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, and life more abundantly. That's his purpose. Satan has his purpose. Jesus has his purpose. And if you if you come into agreement with Jesus' purpose, and you work out what he has called you to do, then that purpose is going to trump Satan's purpose. It, it'll it'll happen every time. Because that's exactly what Jesus did here. he just be quiet. Come out of the man. And that was it. Now, the demon said through the man, what do we have to do with you? What do we have to do with you? He's acting like Jesus is infringing on his territory. What are you doing here, Jesus? You're interfering with what I am doing here your purpose here, Jesus, has nothing to do with my purpose here. Now you know, we as followers of Jesus have nothing to fear from Satan. Jesus said, behold, I give you you, authority over er, over, uh, snakes and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. Right? Right? And if you don't know that, Get in here and get to know it. Get to know it. Because you have authority. Because eventually, if you, if, you, if, you, if you team up with Jesus and you follow his purpose for your life, you will encounter the enemy. It's just a fact. Maybe not so dramatic as this, but you will. And as soon as you do, you have authority over him in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid to speak with authority because you've been given that authority. Remember, this, like the te- this teaching has authority. That teaching did not. I can speak a word that's not an authority. It has to do with the boldness and confidence you have in Jesus who lives within you. He gave you the legal right to use his name. Amen. Now, don't know how I got off on all that. Verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, this is the, he rebuked the demon, the demon speaking through this man. Jesus did not rebuke the man, he rebuked the demon, okay? He rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? Some translations say teaching. What new teaching is this? What was Jesus' purpose in the synagogue? To teach. Okay, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. You need to, when you speak the name, you need to speak it with authority. I remember one time we had some, I had some friends over, and we were in the kitchen. We had a board game out, we we're just... And the kids... My kids were all were little at that time and they were in the other room. And there was I mean, just chaos in the next room. Because Tammy had stepped out to do something and the kids are just I mean, it was absolute chaos. They weren't trying to be bad or they weren't really being bad. They were just being so loud that no one could even think or say anything. And I was just like, Hey And the kids go And uh, my friend sitting next to me, he goes, Wow, that was intense, Phil. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's just a word of authority. It's just, stop. And it, it, I wasn't being mean either. It was just like, just get to get their attention. So when you speak the name, speak it with authority. Because you can speak his name without authority. And then you'll just get mulled over. You do that. Okay. It won't work. People are like, well, the name of Jesus doesn't work. Did you speak it with authority? Mm, right. And in order to speak it with authority, you got to know him. Mm-hmm. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he said, my goal is to know him. Mm-hmm. It's like, Paul, don't you know him pretty well? You wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Yeah, but he's like, I want to know him more. Mm-hmm. The more you know him, the more authority you can speak his name with. Amen? So, so they're all amazed. Whoa! Whoa! Verse 28, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Gal- around Galilee. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. You know, after God does something for you, do something to serve him. At evening, when the sun set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. Why? Why did they do that? This is the first time that... We're in Mark chapter 1. Jesus hasn't hardly done anything yet. Yeah. Because of what he did in the synagogue. And then he went and healed Simon's mother-in-law. So what do they do? Word spreads. It said fame, the, his fame spread throughout the area. And then people say, Get everyone who we know is demon possessed because they perceive that's a problem in their community and they don't know what to do about it. Get everyone who's demon possessed. Get everybody who's sick. Let's come and take them to this man. <laughs> it says, uh, I'll read that again. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. How much of the city? The whole city. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Some people don't have faith to be healed. They get to the right place, but they don't receive. Wasn't his fault. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Huh. Not every demon was cast out. Some people wouldn't hold on to him. But notice that he didn't allow any of them to speak. <laughs> this passage right here is fascinating to me. So we see Jesus in the, in the middle of this citywide revival. It's totally unexpected. Nobody there knew. that nobody. It wasn't like Jesus had handed out flyers and said, when I hold a conference in the city of Capernaum. Come on, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He didn't do that. He just walked into the synagogue and started teaching, cast out a demon, and then went and healed Simon's mother-in-law. He's just walking out his purpose. And so what this, he's in the middle of this revival. What started this revival? What what? It's just one one thing. His purpose started this revival. His purpose. He went into the synagogue to teach. <laughs> Amen. I'm just making sure, I don't want to skip over anything that might be useful to you, so I'm just looking here. I stepped all over my notes already, I preached it all, and then I went back and said, I already said all that. So, Jesus made it clear, though. I'm here to fulfill my Father's purpose. The words I speak are not my words, they're my Father's words. I only s- say what I hear the Father say, I only do what I see the Father do, what the Father shows me. He actually said, the Father will show me greater miracles than this. So what would happen is, is the father would show him to do a miracle and then he would perform it. And see, that's why this book is so important to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So he wants you to be led by his Spirit, not by words of prophecy and things like that. He wants you to be led by his Spirit so that you can fulfill the purpose he's given you. Very important. To learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. So verse 35 now. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daybreak, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Again, what's the purpose? He went out there to pray. Wakes up in the morning, I'm going to pray. There's an overall purpose and then there's, there's these other purposes that, that, that accomplish that, the overall purpose. When you pour yourself out doing your father's purpose, see, what did he do? He had this, he spent the entire day healing sick, the sick, casting out demons. And in the morning, what's he do? He goes to pray. When you pour yourself out doing your father's purpose, remember to go back to him and get filled up again. Otherwise, you get burned out because you'll be trying to do it in your own strength. Don't do that. Go someplace to pray. Actually, you know, when Jesus said, when he told the people, "Go when you when you pray, shut yourself in your prayer closet." That word, prayer closet, actually translates to bedchamber. It's a very personal place with God. There's there's times for public prayer, but there's also time for This is just time for me to pray with my father. I'm going to talk to him. All different types of prayer. Verse 36 And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Why? Because he's off. he, He didn't tell anybody. He got up and went out to pray. So they're searching for him. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Who's everyone? That whole crowd. The whole city. They're looking for you. Why? Because of what he did the day before. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. It's the same pattern, different place. Same purpose. So notice that from the natural perspective, because you have people in your life who will come and talk to you, and they will think that they know what your purpose is. (laughs) They come to him and they say, everyone's looking for you. Well, what does that imply? That implies you're not done yet here, Jesus. Jesus. You need to go back to this crowd that's looking for you. And Jesus said, Our purpose here is done. It's time to move to the next place. Who leaves in the middle of the uh, in the middle of a citywide revival? Who does that? Someone who knows what their purpose is. As soon as his purpose in that town is finished, he he reverted back to his overall purpose. See, this is built in layers. Right now we're in. Capernaum, my purpose here is to do this. And then when that purpose is done, he says, okay, the overall purpose again, for this reason I come forth, next town, next place. Now that's an itinerant type of traveling ministry. He may not call you to that, but you can know what his purpose for you is. Amen. Because if Jesus can know, I can know. And if I can know, then you can know. So you see how without adopting God's purpose for your life, because that's something you have to adopt and take care of. Do you ever think about it that way? If you don't do that, it's easy then to get caught up with the day-to-day, the mundane, the, uh, the, the job, the... The house, the wife, the husband, the kids, the relatives, the the boyfriend, the girlfriend, school, whatever. And I'm not saying that we abandon those things. You don't do that. But let those things bow down to God and the purpose that he has called you to. See, and then he will give you grace to do those things better than you thought you could, better than you could ever do worrying about them. See, because if you submit your your life to his purpose, he will take care of those things that you used to spend time worrying about. Well, when I was at Ramah, you know, one of the teachers was telling us a story when he's this young associate pastor, and he's got all this stuff to do, and he was like, how am I going to be able to do all this? He said that it's just, he's struggling with it, he's struggling with it, and... He said, uh, "How am I going to be a husband? How am I going to be a dad?" He was asking God this: "How how am I going to do all this?" And he said, uh, "He's playing this catch up game." Well, one day he, he was going home and he was he was walking through the the gate just to go to the house, and it's a chain link fence. And uh, he 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 just walked through, and it, the chain link fence shuts on its own. He said, and as he's walking up, and he's like thinking about these things, not necessarily praying, but like, huh, oh, what? The, the, chain, the gate hit, hit the post and it goes ping like a bell and he said as soon as, he, as that happened the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said now you're a dad and he's like I get it when I'm here and I'm with my kids I'm a dad that's my purpose when I'm with my wife I'm a husband that's my purpose And so you find that you live your life out of your your purpose with God, your relationship with God. if, If everything, if you allow everything in your life to be fed from that root of your relationship with Him, it will all be nourished out of your relationship with Him. Amen. So I'm going to get ready to close here. Is that okay? I'm 15 minutes after. Do you, all, you all, okay? Are you all good? You okay? Is this helpful? Good for you? Okay. Huh? He thought we were only halfway through. Well, at my son's word, I'll just preach another half. Right. Go to Luke chapter two. This is another one of my favorite passages people don't really talk about a whole lot. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at passages people talk about a lot. (laughs) Luke chapter 2, verse 41, starting there. So this is when Jesus is a boy. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Boy, this is the kind of thing that will give a mother a heart attack, right? But see, (laughs) Jesus was obedient to them. It already said that he was. I mean, you get down here and... They probably—it's like he probably was. We all—we all. Those of us who have kids probably—it's like you've probably got at least one that's pretty responsible, and you don't. You're so worried about the other ones, you're not necessarily thinking about that one because they're always where they need to be, doing what they should be doing. Usually, usually. Don't point fingers. <laughs> so. This is, this is probably what happened. I, this, I don't, the word doesn't say this. This is Pastor Phil's opinion that this is probably what happened. Joseph and Mary are not bad parents. Why would God entrust Jesus to them if they were bad parents? Right. This was so they could learn something. So look down here. So when, verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. That would be amazing. You go in there and your 12-year-old is talking to the teachers and the teachers are like, wow, this kid, whoa. I mean, imagine that. He's, he's, he's teaching the te- They're teaching him, but he's also teaching them. It's amazing. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Well, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a spiritual statement, it's not understood with the mind. But he's like, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I must. You see how Jesus' commitment to his father's purpose made him successful in every part of his life. Because down there it said they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So then ta- then adopt God's purpose for your life then. And that commitment, you make a commitment to him and you follow through with it, he'll make every part of your life successful. And it was because of Jesus' commitment to that purpose. So how do we know then that he had already seized upon that purpose? He seized upon God's purpose at the age of 12. How do we know that? Because he said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I must. Not I should. Not I want to. I must. What 12-year-old says that? Jesus. And see, Jesus expects the same level of commitment from us, though. He's out in the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples. And he's like, Can you not pray with me for what hour? (laughs) So think about this. Jesus called the disciples to himself, and he trained them daily for three to three and a half years for the, the purpose that he called them to. I'm training you for a purpose. Here at twelve, at twelve, Jesus had already made a commitment to receiving training for the purpose he has from the Father. Is he not receiving training? Asking questions, listening to the teachers, asking them questions, being obedient to Joseph and Mary. I'm sure Joseph and Mary knew their scriptures too. God is very selective in who he gives certain assignments to. Joseph and Mary had an assignment to raise Jesus. And so think about that. All those years of training, all that time spent daily. That's why I say, listen to teachings all the time. Not necessarily mine. Listen to teachings. Read the word all the time. Have worship music on. Praise God, pray. Rejoice always. Seek him because one hour of teaching on a Sunday morning is not going to cut it. It's just not. Even if you take another hour on Wednesday, it's not not enough. Not enough for the purpose he's called you to. It's too big. It's too important. Because this world's getting darker darker the world gets, the, lighter, the brighter will shine. God knows it's going to happen. He told us. But that doesn't mean that we can't get as many people saved as we can. That's our purpose. And the other half of that purpose is to strengthen each other. Because when Jesus said, I, I, you're my witnesses, he said, you're, you're going to be my witness to the whole world. So you witness to unbelievers and believers alike to strengthen them. That's why we took extra time to intercede for people in the church that need that need prayer. Because <clears throat> if we live day to day, day to day, and rely on one hour of, uh, a week of training, then if I do that, if I if I rely on one week, one hour a week, and I just live day to day and rely on my own strength most of the time what am I going to say to Jesus when I see him face to face? The purpose of this is not to put anybody on a guilt trip. But Jesus called us. And he's like, start now. You know, start now. You know, not saying that we have to do more services. We do need to spend time in the word more. And don't... don't uh, Weigh your, don't bog yourself down in it so much that you're so, because it takes, it's not, you know, your spirit needs exercise too. And you know what will happen if you go to the gym and you try to bench press 190, 200, 300 pounds before you've spent time building yourself up. You're just going to wear yourself out. So start small, but be consistent. Be consistent. And, you know, again, I'm not the only teacher you should be hearing from. You know, you, you know you're never going to go out there and find a teacher that you agree with 100%. That's all right. That's why you judge what is said with the Word of God. That's why the Word said, let us agree together as far as we have attained. God knows we're not going to agree with each other about every little thing. That's okay. You don't have to. Foundational things, yeah. Charlie told me one time, there's very few absolutes. That's true. But there are some. Anyway, no teacher knows it all. But they know some things. And some teachers know things I don't. I know some things that other teachers don't. And we have people in this house here that can teach besides me. That's why we're starting this God's Tools for Life class on Wednesdays. So please sign up for it. And even if you get to the end of it and it's like, well, that wasn't really helpful, well, it probably didn't hurt you either. Four hours of Bible teaching is not going to hurt you. And again, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but I want you to grow. Amen. So, again, this great commission that we have. You understand it's the only task that Jesus left unfinished? The book of Acts, in the beginning, Luke tells us, I told you about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. Seek and save that which is lost. And Jesus told us, you'll be my witnesses. So then we'd carry on the purpose Amen? Carry out the task to completion. And you don't have to be mad at the church at large for not doing everything. You are only responsible for your part. That's that's why if you do it, then Jesus will be like, well done. Good and faithful servant. Just do your part. Amen? Even if it all, all it is is to go today and Talk to Cousin Eddie about Jesus. Okay. I'm done. You all still with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness, Lord. And for any of those here who did not get a piece of that, that that what you had for the congregation today during that time of prayer father I pray that they would receive that now that they'd be able to lay hold of that now and I just thank you for your goodness your mercy the healing that you have offered us the peace that you have offered us the salvation that you have offered us Lord all those things are because you're so good and I pray that you bless everyone as they go keep them safe as they go and help them to see the next step in the purpose that you have called them to and I thank you Lord and I praise you In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Okay, everybody.